podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I think my feelings can be best summed up as disinterested and glad that's over with. Yes, the season is over. Um, Liverpool have finished fifth. They'll be in the Europa League next season. No cups to celebrate, but, you know, just fucking enjoy it and all the rest. Um, We have news today, Carl, that Liverpool have appointed Jörg Schmatke as the new sporting director. The club made it seem like this was a permanent appointment, but it has been reported heavily that this is a short-term contract. David Lynch said it's longer than three months, but didn't get into specifics about how long it actually is. Schmacke himself said it was basically for the summer, and then they'd see how him and Jürgen got on. I don't really know what to make of it, other than this doesn't seem like a well-run organisation making smart decisions, given they've had six months to find a replacement for Julian Ward. How is it that they've landed on a guy who has a decent track record at mid-level clubs in Germany, was retired and is only willing to take the job on a short-term basis? Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, I mean, I think this is a marriage of convenience, I guess we would call it. Not much more than that. I also am very, very sceptical that this is going to be anything other than the plan going forward, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think the only ways that he doesn't stay longer term are, one, if we basically miss out on everybody because he's unable to get the deals done, which feels unlikely, to be honest. And the other one being that he really dislikes working in the environment that we have, which, again, feels probably unlikely. It seems like it might be a fairly comfortable setup with uh, the way that he's suggested deals are going to be structured and organised and done. Um, it doesn't feel like this is a sporting director role where that is the pinnacle of the hierarchy, uh, as it has been previously, or certainly is at other clubs. And... You know, the way he's described basically what, what gets done is Klopp says what he's after, what he wants, the positions that he's looking for. The analytical team go ahead and find the best candidates for that and then he gets to pick which one he wants. And then uh, Schmadko obviously will go out and try and do that deal. So I don't really see too much emphasis there on him in terms of his uh, knowledge base or ability to, to pick out the players or anything like that. That's much more about him being able to go out and get the job done contacts rather than knowledge base let's say or surrounding those players um like i said i i think you're right in terms of the club's announcement it left it very very vague as to what kind of appointment this was and i don't really see that this would 
change now uh, across the next three months and beyond. And I think if he is appointed permanently, we probably won't get another announcement as a result. Yeah, I think that's probably probably true. Uh, I thought Mike Gordon's comments were interesting, where he said that um, Schmatke will work to support Jürgen, not alongside him, but to support him very much, making it clear that Schmatke will report to Jürgen, will work under Jürgen, which is not how the structure of a club should be. I suppose the big doubt is he's never lived or worked outside of Germany before. So is he, would he, would he settle living in, in England um, outside of, you know, what he knows, what he's used to, like, in terms of like personal being in England, yeah, exactly. Like it might, him and his wife just might not might not settle in the country. You know, we've seen it happen before, and they are these are these are older people. Like at fifty nine, it is a big move to make to a different country with a different language. Now I'm sure he's got a decent grasp of English, but it's still a very different culture than what he's used to in Germany. Um, yeah, potentially so, and I'm obviously sure that that's something they had to discuss, but also I'm not 100% sure that he has to commit to that completely at the moment. You know, If it is only the shorter three, four months at the moment, then you kind of get a taster for it, and that's part of what he has to decide if he likes as much as working with the club, if it's for them, if it's something they want over the longer term. And also, how much would his role require being on the ground as such, uh, You know, in and around Kirby, in Liverpool? Is it something he could do from remotely almost and fly back and forth as and when needed perhaps it's not well i mean if he wants to be a small time joke of a club he could certainly do that yeah he he could do the job remotely because i guess that's part of the the early assessment they'll have to do though that's probably part of what he wants to to consider over these three months four months is this some area that we want to be in is it something we want to do to operate ourselves yeah, I mean, that's that's very true. Right, that's enough of him. Um, he will be under the microscope this summer, as will his paymaster. And uh, it, since they are tied together, it does mean that should Jürgen find himself out of a job in the next 12 months, we're now, we'll then have to go and appoint another sporting director and another manager, not just one, which... Mm-hmm. For the long manager term, and a sporting assistant. Yeah, that's basically it. That is basically it, and it, it is. It's just it is concerning for the long term health of the club because let's just say we get to November and we're eleventh and the season has started badly, and FSG decide to move on from Jurgen. Well, they can't make the mistake of appointing a manager and then appointing a sporting director the sporting director has to be in first and has to be involved in that process of appointing the new manager or else you end up in a situation like with Brendan Rodgers or even the situation with Jürgen where Jürgen never really viewed Michael Edwards as being, you know, equal. He always viewed him as someone he could just go around, go over, and that's eventually what led to Michael Edwards leaving the club. But it's it's just not the right way to, to run a football club. Anyway, let's not get into it because there's just I'll start shouting, and I'm I'm already in bad form. The weekend pissed me off something shocking because Dortmund lost, Coventry lost, and I'd gotten invested in them during the game. Everton managed to stay up because you know 
when the world ends, it'll only be the cockroaches in Everton that are still flutering about to piss people off. Uh, we were an abomination and there was nothing really to enjoy out of the weekend um, from a football point of view. But let's talk about the teams that did get relegated. And we'll start with the Premier League. We have Southampton, Leeds and Leicester all went down. Let's start with Southampton. Looking at their squad, what players would you have interest in Liverpool pursuing this summer? You can have as many as you want. Who would you look for, look to? Um, I think the absolute must sign is James Ward-Prowse and you'll get his shirt with the name and number on the back. You know, we're downsizing here at Anfield Index on the podcast side, so I might just <laughs> talk to Eddie about having your contract null and voided. Oh, dear me. Um, okay, I, I, I reject that assertion. I know <laughs> we're also not We're also not downsizing. Clear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd be open to as that left-sided covering defender, although I don't necessarily think he's starter calibre but if we were looking at you know one this year and one next year or something like that then he'd be someone I was open to um, a couple that we've talked about previously as being really good for future seasons Romeo Lavia and Cameldean Suleimana I love both of them uh, Suleimana I'm absolutely delighted that he picked this weekend gone against Liverpool to be his one big in, um, impact in a match for Saints this season that was, that was really well timed mate thanks a lot for that um, I've seen people say that Suleiman has shown nothing since he's been at Southampton blah, blah, blah. that's all true uh, also absolutely not representative of the footballer that he is he didn't really have a good few months with Ren before he left obviously coming into a team which is struggling for possession and creativity and strength in the centre of the park and all that kind of thing is not really conducive to having Suleiman to play his best football, but you saw when there's space and when his team are on the attack and there's no pressure on them, what he can do. And that's what he's capable of. So I would absolutely still take him. I suspect, obviously, they're going to give him like a really good uh, opportunity to establish himself as a first choice in the second tier and then come back mm-hmm. up with him. That's the plan, but I would be very keen on him. Lavia, I don't expect to go down. I think there will be too many teams interested in him. And he's obviously proven that. At this age, he's capable of playing Premier League caliber football. He's obviously shown as well that as a 19-year-old rookie season player, he still has bits to learn as well. Uh, I think he would be a fine addition for us to utilize next season, but not be a first-choice player. I think the original question we had on Twitter, sorry, I forget at the moment who it was from, was asking about instant impact players and longer-term projects. So I think Lavia comes in. I would I would agree with Lavia for certain. Um, I would definitely agree with Suleimana. I think Suleimana, obviously, like you said, he arrived into a team that was a mess and they were managed by a fool. And when he was sacked, they were managed by someone that wasn't ready to be a manager at the Premier League level. So I, I don't think you can put too much blame on him for what's taken place there. And the same goes of Lavia. I think they would have been down months and months earlier if not for him. I think he was one of the few players that really stood up and was counted across the course of the season. Um, 
Salisu, I'm, I'm, I like the player. He is error prone. That would be my, my worry about him. But there's also just stories that you hear about his attitude, and he maybe has a very high view of himself. That would be a little bit concerning. The two you didn't mention that I that I do very much like, Armel Belakotcha, who I think would be a really good backup for Ibu Kanate. I think when you look at the size, the speed, the physical makeup, the technical makeup, he's very comfortable carrying the ball. I, I think he's one that could make a lot of sense for us. And then the other one would be Carlos Alcaraz. Now, he, like Suleimana, arrived in January, so it's likely that they'll want to keep him. But I do wonder, they paid $12 million for him. And if they're struggling financially this summer... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to AnfieldIndex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I do wonder if, you know, a 20 to 25 million pound bid could potentially land him. I've been really impressed with him any time I've watched him play this season. With who, sorry? With Carlos Alcaraz. Oh, okay, hello. And I thought that at the weekend, I thought he was the best player on the pitch for large parts of the game. Um, so I, I would take him and Bella Kotchup along with Lavia, Suleimana. I love Tino Livramento, but he's just back from a torn ACL. And if we're not going to play with a traditional you know, right back, then he doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So mm-hmm. I'd look at those other four. My only question with Alcaraz, and I agree, he's been really, really impressive, and I think he is another one who, if they give him or if they can hold on to him and make him first choice next season when he comes back up, that's a that's a really, really big start point for him to have gotten a whole season in England under his belt and probably be very, very good. But where would you use him in this setup that we have at the minute? Because he's played more or less off the forward, and then he's played as one of the forwards as well for them. Um, obviously, we don't really play with a ten, so would you use him as more of an eight or as the alternative nine or what? I'd use him as an eight. I'd use him as the right-sided eight. I think it's the position that gets the most out of what he offers in terms of his ball carrying, his ability to make those third-man runs into the box and find space. He's a really good dribbler, and he is a good passer of the ball. Not not an elite passer of the ball, but a good passer of the ball who makes clever decisions. Yeah, you know, I want someone more defensive-minded than that for the right. So, no, I, I know that, but I like what my my thought here, Carl, is couldn't we buy, like, let's say, Kefren Turam 
and then buy Alcaraz as like an alternative option so that in games against bad teams, and there are a lot of bad teams in the Premier League, when we can afford to be a little bit more adventurous, couldn't he be an option to play there? Yeah, I'm not suggesting he so. comes in as a starter because I don't think he's like starter level for us is should be a very high bar. Hmm. I, like I would rather have him in the team as the you know the second choice right side at eight than Harvey Elliott as an example. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he's probably more midfielder than attacker compared to Elliott as well. So you know, positionally and, and certainly the energy levels and everything are, are more inclined to be t- tending towards box-to-box, let's say, rather than Elliot's are. Um, I mean, I, I do agree that we should probably have a couple of options for these different types of matches. I wonder whether we're going to see a bit more Gakpo in that role next year and have you know Darwin coming in as nine certain games, and that's going to be effectively that, what you've said, for the games that we're going to be dominating. Um as I said a few weeks ago, I'm fairly concerned we're actually going to end up with two new midfielders this summer when I think three is the absolute minimum we need. Uh, and I know you would be inclined to go to even a fourth, but I just, I'm struggling to see it at the minute. I, I'm not comfortable with what I see in terms of who is going to stay and play a big role next season. I think Fabinho is going to be one still again. Yeah, I, I think so. I th- I think so. Um, I think if we if we do get a third, I think it's going to be somebody young. Now it could be it could well be Romeo Lavia, um, but that will mean Fabinho is first choice. And if we play fifty five games, Fabinho probably starts thirty five of them, and Lavia gets the other twenty, uh, which is of a concern to me. But the way I look at it, Carl, is we need three as a as a very minimum this summer. I've been through what I think we need before. I think we need nine players as things stand for the for the squad as a whole. I think we need nine. We won't do nine in one summer, obviously. So if we do five, let's say we bring in a backup goalkeeper to replace Kelleher, the left-sided centre-back, and three midfielders. Let's say we do that this summer. Well, next summer then, we still need another centre-back, a right-footed one, at least one, I would argue two, but at least one. Um, we need a backup to Trent. We need a backup to Mo, a backup winger type, because Diaz and Mo are the only real wingers at the club. The other three all other three forwards all like playing centrally. And then you're looking at Thiago's going to be going. So you'll need to replace him. God knows what Fabinho looks like in 12 months. So you might need to replace him. Henderson's going to have to be replaced as a squad player at some point because the guy can't move. He looked embarrassing when he came on against Southampton. He just couldn't move at all. Um, So you'd have him. Like It it just starts to snowball. And then the following summer, well, you're going to have to start having a look at, well, who's going to replace Mo? Because it's 2025 now. His contract is up. Virgil's contract is also up. No guarantee they want to stay beyond that. And even if they do, you're going to have to start putting long-term plans in place for their succession. So it is just going to snowball. And I don't know that this manager is capable of 
of of renewing this project. I, I just don't know that he is. I don't know that the club is is even ready to to contemplate what needs to be done. So if we only sign two, I, I think we're going to have major problems next season. If we only sign two midfielders, if we get two midfielders and Jurian Timber. If that's our summer, we have major issues next season. Unless unless we're going back to a back four and Timber's going to play right side, Robbo left side, Kanate and Virgil in the middle, then we've got no real quality depth behind them unless Gomez or Matip refines some form or Ramsey takes a massive step forward. Trent would be one of the midfielders then with Fabinho and whoever. And then it just it's all going to become very, very strange. Yeah, I mean, considering we think that Simicast is going to go and Milner, the other fullback, such as he has been, is going to go, I think we would be in a world of hurt if that's the only things we do this summer, to be honest. Let's move on and let's look at Leeds because there's a couple of players here, Carl, that I really like. Mm-hmm. And I'll start off with the one that I think makes complete sense for us to sign this summer. Because not only could he be... Now, I say this, this is on the basis of the thought we've just had that Fabinho is going to stay as a starter and that we're going to keep this same shape with Fabinho and Trent basically playing as a double pivot. I think Tyler Adams makes a ton of sense as a backup to both of them. He's played right back internationally and at club level. He's well-schooled through the Red Bull system. He's got good experience. I love his mentality. I think his injury is what killed Leeds this season more so than even the lack of, you know, Bamford staying fit. I think he's got natural leadership. I think Tyler Adams would make a ton of sense. And to be completely honest, you know I want a starting six this summer. I would gladly sign a starting six, sell Fabinho, and buy Tyler Adams, have him as the backup six, and, like I say, the backup to Trent. Yeah, I think Tyler Adams will be actually the most in demand of all the relegated players outside of James Madison this summer, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't see him in the championship at all. He's you know, a European-caliber player. He's a, an international must-have athleticism and the versatility, even before you get to his technical ability, makes him a, a really, really good signing for basically anybody. So if they can uh, you know, be assured of his overcoming the injury, then I don't think that that's much of a, a difficult one to do. Leeds are going to lose him this summer. I think Man United are also really heavily linked with him as well. So it would mm. need to be a fairly fast move if he's one to get. But absolutely agree. And even in the right-sided eight role, uh, I think he's good enough technically yeah. to be someone who is a part ball winner, really high up, very quick to pass the ball off as well. Maybe not someone who's going to score goals from that area of the pitch, but I think his support play is really, really good. Yeah, I think that's a fair shout. What's the most you'd pay for him is the next question. What what did they pay for him? Leeds paid... Leeds paid £20 million. Mm, and have, ago? One no, ago. 12 months ago. Yeah, only a year ago. ago. And they've been relegated. And financially, that's 
you know, they're probably overextended given how much they have spent since coming up. And they went and spent another ball of money in January. Um, 35? 30, 35, I think, would be a fair price. It's a long contract, is there? Four years left. That they have, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think 30 might even be a fee to do it, to be honest. Um, 50% profit for them on a year's football where he gets relegated. That's still quite a lot. Exactly. And, like, we saw, there's a report yesterday in The Athletic that Brendan Aronson has a relegation release clause. So I'd kind of be surprised if Adams doesn't have one. Is there anyone else in that squad? Like, I really like Brendan Aronson. I think he's really talented, but he was very, very inconsistent this season. And I think he needs another year of seasoning in the league before he's ready for a big move. I think he's very, very talented. If I was him, I'd actually stay at Leeds and go into the championship and and develop there. Um, I like Mark Rocca, but I don't like him for us. I like Harrison. I don't like him for us. I do quite like Somerville and I wouldn't be against him as a, you know, just a a wide option, someone that could give us some depth. But if I was buying a winger from Leeds, I think he'd be my third pick. Sinistera is one I do like. I liked him when he was at Feyenoord. But Wilfred Nonto would probably be the one to go and get. I mean, I think Nonto is probably going to be a very, very in-demand player if Leeds are willing to sell, but because they got him so cheap and he wasn't an every game starter for them, they mm. think that they would make the case to him to stay, be amazing in the championship, come back up and, you know, you're still only 21 after another season in the Premier League then. That's that, that's pretty good for their side of things, I think. Um, I don't like Somerville as much. I think, you know, he's already, what, well, he's going to be 22 relatively soon, I think. So I would yeah, go, um, yeah, I'd go Sinistera over him personally. He's already been, you know, higher flying, let's say, with with uh, playing in the air of the division, being a regular goal scorer there. So I, I definitely prefer him to Somerville. Um, I don't think I would touch any of the others, to be honest. I'd say Adams one, Sinistera two. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I do, like, I do very, very much like Jorginho Ruter, but it hasn't worked for him there at all yet. He's one I think could do very, very well in the championship for them next season. There's a lot of good players at Leeds that I think if they can keep the core of it together, they should be a good bet to come back up. I I would sell Melier in a heartbeat if I was them and just steal whatever money any foolish club is willing to give you. Buy a real goalkeeper who can actually, you know, save the football and catch crosses and, you know, the goalkeeping things. Um, but I think there's enough there, especially with a lot of these young players that didn't get huge amount of chances this year. People like Darko Gabby, I think, can play a big role next season. Leo Hjeld, Cody Drama, if they bring him back in on, off the loan at Luton, he could play a big role, um, certainly as a rotation right back with Rasmus Christensen. I think there's enough there that they should be okay to come back up, even if they lose Adams. Because the others that they'll definitely lose, like they'll lose Mark Rocker, they'll lose Jack Harrison. 
I guess Robin Cock probably moves on. But I think everybody else they could probably keep and add one or two more and and be in a strong situation to come back up next year. Yeah, I wonder, like, even if Rutter, you mentioned, they keep him because nothing has happened with him so far to see how he gets on, let him settle properly. And again, you might actually end up with a really, really good top division forward playing in the in the championship and just mm. scores the goals to get you back up, basically. Um, you know, it's not happened for him yet, but he's not a terrible player. Let's put it that way. I think they overpaid, but obviously he was one that they saw several years of growth in. That's the thing. And like, I think Victor Orta did a poor job overall in terms of how he built that squad. Uh, I think he, you know, kind of failed to address what was clearly an issue with the goalkeeper, failed to address the centre-back issue, bought a lot of injury-prone centre-backs, didn't find the alternative to Bamford, given that Bamford was basically injured on and off for two full years. There was plenty of time to to go and address that and bring in a, a nine who could be the backup. And he didn't do any of those things. But what he did do very well, oh, he also spent a lot of money on Dan James for no reason. Um, but what he did do well was he did future-proof that club. He brought in a lot of really good high-end young players who should form the basis of the team that comes back up uh, up next time. Let's move to Leicester City then. Um, None of their goalkeepers, I think it's fair to say, none of their goalkeepers would be of any interest to anybody because they're all terrible. That to central defence. None of the central defenders. Um, If we were sticking with a back four, I wouldn't be against Victor Christensen as as the replacement for Costas. I do quite like him. I love James Justin, but he's at a torn ACL and a torn Achilles. And unfortunately for him, those are two horrendous injuries to get back to back. So I think his ceiling is probably a little lower now than it would have been. Uh, I do quite like Luke Thomas as well. Another good young left back they have there. Remains a mystery to me why they bought Christensen in the first place, but I would take Christensen over him. Um. Yeah, none of the centre-backs. Ricardo Pereira is too injury-prone. Uh, Castanier is not very good. All the centre-backs are either crap, injury-prone, or really, 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 really crap. That's crap and really, really, really crap. That's two de- different categories, by the way. Um, midfield, though, does interest me, Carl. The midfield group does interest me. Um I really like Harvey Barnes. I've always liked Harvey Barnes. And I would take Harvey Barnes. Mm. Tielemans is too slow. I like Madison. But as you've mentioned, like I, like you, would prefer more defensive presence in that right-sided eight. But if it was an attacking eight we wanted in that role, for whatever reason, because maybe that's what Guardiola does, so that's what we have to do. Um, Madison would be on the longest of players I'd look at. I really like Kieran Dewsbury Hall. I know his name sounds like somewhere that the Tories would have their annual convention. He's, you know, named after a stately home. But I do like him, and I, I would take Kieran Dewsbury Hall at Liverpool. Uh, indeed, he's too injury-prone. Pryor just hasn't worked. 
quite like what I saw of Tete and wouldn't be against him as a backup to Mo. Yeah, so Barnes, Dewsbury Hall and Tete from that group. Christensen from the defence and all of the forwards can stay where they are. Um, too many for my liking from this team. Uh, from a technical perspective, Leicester should never have been in the conversation to be relegated. Simple as that. There's a problem in this group. And I know that this is obviously something which extends from the coaching staff, but there is a problem in this group. They shouldn't be where they are. And they have, aside from an absolutely crap defensive unit, a real, real tendency to wilt. And I think a lot of that stems from some midfield as well. So I would definitely take Barnes, 100%. I, I would sign him for anything, I think, up to 30 million. But I think he could be done quite significantly lower. I'm not sure what his contract situation is, to be fair. So maybe that was that would be playing a big part. I think he but, signed a new deal, like, last hmm. year. Okay. Um, I, I still think, like, for 30, 35, he would be a good addition, considering... 25 is like a, a decent age group for, for our squad at the minute that we don't seem to have huge volumes of. They seem to be one side or the other at the moment for the most part. Um, he can play as an eight. He can play on either flank. I think that would more or less solve the Mo alternative for us, even if he doesn't play there too often. He's someone who could go there just perfectly easily. I think there's still growth for him in terms of a goal scorer uh, perspective going into you know 26 27 28 years of age i think he's someone who can get 15 a season on a regular basis and he scored 13 for them this year and they got relegated so madison is obviously a very good player but i agree there's there's not quite a perfect fit for him in our team i think that's probably what newcastle will get done looks like a fairly routine plug and play for them to be honest um i don't think that there's anyone outside of bands that i would go for the disrespect of Kieran Dewsbury Hall is, is stunning. I do think he's a decent player. I just I don't see him fitting with us, to be honest. Do you, I think he'd be a really good fit in this squad. I think he could play in either eight position. He's got the work rate to do it. He's got the technical ability to do it. I think against Dross, you could play him in, in a double pivot with Trent and just control the game. I think he's really good. I'm a big fan. Um, right, let's move on then. Let's move on out of the Premier League. There's probably not many to find around Europe, but we might as well go through it. Um, we'll move to France first. So I've gone through the squads at Angers, Ajeco, and Troyes, and I can't really find anybody that would be of interest to me. Um, Troyes are owned by City as well, which makes dealing with them probably a non-starter. The last relegation spot will be between Auxerre and Nantes. Auxerre don't have anyone that interests me. Nantes have one that would interest me and one that I just think is funny. Now, the one that I think is funny is Musa Sissoko, who is facing relegation for the third time since the 2015-16 season, uh, having been relegated with Newcastle, relegated with Watford, and now facing relegation again, uh, a chap with a very high opinion of himself. So there's him. Um, wouldn't buy him in a fit. The one I I do really like is Alban Lafont, who I think has the potential to be 
a really, really top-class goalkeeper. And if we were selling Kelleher and could get LaFont for similar money, personally, I think that's an upgrade. Yes, it would be an upgrade. It would also be an upgrade in terms of uh, experience and actual you know, minutes under the belt and probably ceiling as well, to be perfectly honest. Certainly how they were yeah. respectively viewed at 19 and 20 years of age, for sure. Um, yeah, Lafont was already a first-teamer as a teenager. Kelleher obviously broke through a little bit later and hasn't really broken through in the traditional sense of... That well, we think Kelleher has 22 <laughs> senior appearances to his name, Alban Lafont has played 298 senior games in his career, has eight seasons with more appearances than Kelleher has in his entire career. And Alban Lafont will turn 25 next January, while Cuivin Kelleher uh, will turn 25 in November. So Kelleher is two months older and has one fifteenth the experience or something yeah about one fifteenth of the experience of Alban Lafont. Yeah, I mean the wider point here is obviously as well we haven't done the the sales well, we haven't turned over the team, the squad well. And Kelleher after the last not so much this year, but last year certainly I think his stock rose quite a lot. And I think if we can get fairly good money for him and he's keen to move on to be a first choice that's the type of deal we now have to be looking at doing purposely, allowing people to leave yeah. and reinvest in that money rather than keeping them all until the contracts run down. It's just not going to work out. It's not sustainable long-term. So Kelleher, I think, is is good enough to go on and prove himself now. If we look at, you know, we let people like Danny Ward go and the money we got for him, Kelleher's probably one we should be bringing in the money for. And Lafont would be, like you say, an upgrade. And uh, contract situation, did we not discuss him and his contract was either up this year or next year. I can't remember now. Uh, let me have a quick look. Um, Alban Lafont. I would imagine he's got a release clause if they go down as well. Uh, yeah, contract up next year. He's got a year next left. Year. Yeah, so I mean, he's not going to be anywhere near as expensive as Kelleher should be in any case. So that would definitely be one to look at. Um, not people that I would be signing or even looking at signing, but for a certain uh, vintage of people... There's a couple here at the Nantes squad who the name is worth bringing up, apart from the Sissoko one you already mentioned, Pedro Gidivea, who was at Liverpool, obviously, and left. He's he's still there. Moses Simon, who we were linked with quite heavily for about two years. Mm. He's uh, now 27 and is still at Nantes. So he's there if we, if, you know, rumour mill wants to link us with pointless names again. And uh, football manager, what, 2000 and... not sure, maybe 2000 and... 13, 14, something like that. Those players will remember. Sebastian Corchia being one of the best right-backs on the game. He's here as well now. Yeah, he was... A couple of years ago, he would have actually made good sense for us as a backup to Trent. Um, He was really good getting forward, and he's a really good crosser of the ball. Like you said, when he was at Sochi, even when he was at Lille, he would have made a lot of sense for us, but... And even when he was at Sevilla, because he didn't didn't kind of get any kind of real run there. Had we wanted a cheap backup to Trent, he could have made a decent amount of sense. He's a, a really good crosser of the ball when he was in his pomp. Um, less so now. Uh, one interesting name there is, is Quinton Merlin, who's quite 
versatile in terms of where he plays. He's naturally a winger, but he's played some left back for them as well. Uh, so again, if we were sticking to a back four, he might be one to maybe gamble on. Um, there's, Two there's names also just to just to mention. Um, again, I don't think either of these are, are realistic ones, but just to bring them up. And by Niang, his career has obviously nosedived, unfortunately, mm. in the last sort of four four years or so. He's at Osea now. I'm not even sure if that's a loan or he just plays there now. And then also their goalkeeper is Jonat Radu this season, who was at Inter. And again, I'm not sure if that's another he's loan. He's on loan. This year. Yeah, he, he's in on loan. He's a good um, keeper. He was he really a good, good keeper. a couple of years ago when he was when I was watching regularly in Italy, and then he went back to Inter, but then they signed Onana. I think he might be, you know, another one if we're just looking at a second choice. Decent experience now. I wouldn't be against him. He was a very, very good stopper. Yeah, I wouldn't be against it at all. Uh, Niang is there permanently. He joined, I think, from Bordeaux last summer. Am I right in thinking Bordeaux got relegated? Yes, they got relegated. He joined Auxerre and he might get relegated again. Um, He... When he broke through at Cannes, he looked like he was going to be one of the next big stars. Went to Milan at 18 and unfortunately just has never really shown what he's capable of, bar a season on loan at Rennes, which was one of many loans that he had. I think he had five, yeah, five different loans from Milan. Then he put together decent back-to-back seasons with Rennes. Uh, the season on loan, and then the first season they bought him permanently. He got 14 and 44 and 15 and 36. And then he fell off a cliff again. And he has not been particularly good since. Um, a shame because he, he did have tons and tons of talent. Um, I don't really. Gideon Mens, I, I do quite like, but not for us. Um, no, there's nobody else there that would really, really be of interest. Let's move to Spain then. So Elche are down. Espanyol are down. And going into the final day, there are no less than six teams who could go down. Valladolid currently sit in 18th. You've got Celta Vigo, Almeria, Valencia, Hetafe and Cadiz, who could all go down. Now, my first question to you is, if you had to pick one of those teams to go down, who would you place into the Secunda division as punishment for their crimes against football this season? <laughs> and why is it Valencia? <laughs> um, I mean, it, yeah. The issue is, if Valencia go down, they they might they might go to the wall, because it, it really doesn't sound like it's a it's a good situation there financially. I mean, it never is, is it? It's Valencia. This is, this is what they do. They put themselves into financial whirlpools. Um, I would probably, I would probably say, probably say Almeria just to get rid of them because they're just one of those teams that hover about and annoy me without really being doing anything particularly wrong. They have a couple of players, the odd occasion, who are like really nice, but by and large, they're just a side that I don't really care about either way. Probably, though, it's going to be Celta Vigo because they're just in absolute free fall. They've been horrific. There's plenty of off-field arguments and uh, you know dis- disquiet among the players have been saying stuff about you know a lack of things being done within the club. Diego Aspas, even the other day, basically 
as big a club legend as there is there uh, saying, you know, we, we, we pointed this out in January. We said things needed to change. It wasn't fixed. It's not the player's fault, basically. Uh, and they play Barcelona on the final day, which is, you know, not ideal if you need a, a result to stay up playing against the champions. Um, so I struggled to see them getting anything at all. Valladolid, on the other hand, are at home to Getafe, who are obviously one of the other clubs that you've just mentioned. So if they can beat a club only two points above them at home, and Getafe's away form is never good, but this season they've only won three games on the road, I think. So I, I guess Valladolid are going to get some sort of result. Um, you know, Spain is head to head if it finishes level on points, and there's, like you say, there's too many teams to go into all the permutations at the minute. Because if Real Valladolid draw, then they go to 40, which is leveled Almeria and Celta Vigo. And then if they win, then they, you know it could still be three or four other clubs who all go head-to-head against each other. So there's no point in trying to predict, actually, who goes down here. And I do think Valladolid will get a result, at least, and not lose. If them losing is the only definite outcome. If they lose, they're down. They have to get some sort of result and then hope against other stuff as well. So... Pointless trying to predict who does. Celta Vigo, I think, would be top of the list who I think will go down just because of who they play. Almeria are away to Espanyol, who are already down. So Celta's form, the lack of sort of togetherness, which is there, all those things seem to point to them. Yeah, that that's a fair point. Uh, Valencia play Real Betis away. That's a tough one as well, though. It's a very tough game. But, but they do have the two points. Yeah, they two points difference. They basically vitally have to win for Valencia to be in with a shout of going down. Mm. Plus other results have to happen for the other two games. And they've also only lost one of the last five. They have found a little bit of grit about them at the very least within the playing group to sort of get themselves out of that. Right, well, let's go through these clubs then and see if there's anybody we'd take. Uh, looking at the Elche squad, um, I mean, there's some, there's some decent players there. I mean, Ezekiel Ponce is a decent player. I think there's more players who were good and not really any. That's a fair point. Yeah, guys who were good like four years ago. Um, I do quite like Axel Werner, the goalkeeper, but there's no one else there that really. Omar Mascaral. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Is Andrew Magian? No, there's, there's no Mascarell and Collado are the, sort of the standout technical players, but again, you're looking at what Mascarell must be pushing 30 now, and you know, he's playing a lot deeper than he was before as well. Um, right, we, we can rule them out then. Espanyol, uh, Dennis Suarez is there on loan. Martin Braithwaite is there. Alex Fidal, who once cost a lot of money, is there. 
Uh, Sergi Gomez is there. It's a bunch of, again, a bunch of players that were good four years ago and just aren't really anymore. There's nobody catching my eye. Cadiz. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say no. Um, Jorge Mayer is there, who might be one of the most disappointing players of the last six or seven years. Uh, you see, he had all the tools to be a really good centre-back and just hasn't developed into one. Uh, Alvaro Negredo's there, still kicking about. Uh, long linked with Liverpool. But I'll, I'll say no and move on. Um, Hitafe. Again, this is one of those things where it's a bunch of players that look like they might become really good. Uh, Nemanja Maksimovic, uh, Munar El Hadidi, Borja Mayoral, Enes Yunel, David Soria, Jordan Amavi. All these players had the potential to be very, very good, and none of them ever sort of got to the level that they were expected to get to. There's nobody at Almeria that catches the eye. Valladolid do have two that I do like. Uh, one is Ivan Fresneda, the young right back, and the other is Gonzalo Plata, the winger. Uh, so I do quite like both of them. So I'd, I'd mark them down. Um, Celta Vigo. I mean, the only one really is Gabri Viega. He's the only one that would stand out to me. There might be someone else that you've noted there. And at Valencia... Uh, Eunice Musa, I do quite like Hugo Guillemon. Um, Iliax Moreba, they don't own. Marmardashvili, I think he's got an enormous buyout clause, and that would probably be it. Anyone from that group that catches your eye? Those group of teams? No, no, not enormously. I mean, mostly again, what I find here, these teams and a lot of the Spanish bottom half of the table in general are players who were really good a few years ago. And the quality of them is a bit lower than you'd want now, to be perfectly honest. That the bottom half of the Spanish uh, La Liga is not where it was a few years ago. That's the brutally honest truth here. Uh, you get the odd really good player like Mohamed Ashvili, who you just mentioned, I think is a, a goalkeeper who will go to a much, much bigger team this year. Yeah, I think he's a really good stopper, but he's a first team player. He's not someone you can buy to you know, stick around and be on the bench for 50 games a season or anything like that. Um yeah, uh, like I say, it's it's a big collection of players who I either used to like or never liked whatsoever. Harris Seferovic is a good example of that. He's uh, <laughs> he's still he's still kicking about. I didn't Gabby mention Vega. him. I didn't mention <laughs> him on purpose because I wanted us to get through a season without Harris Seferovic <laughs> slander. Oh no, he's eternal. Him him and Unai on the bench is is just that's they're always going to be there. Uh, Gabby Vega is probably the best player out of that whole batch that you mentioned mm. um, and obviously Valencia have a couple of players who could be good like Javier they've played a few times off the bench this season in midfield is he's an alright player um, it's really difficult to judge some of them I think Nico Gonzalez I think probably goes back to Barcelona um, take them out of this environment this Valencia team and some players could be really good like Yves Musa for example but they're not <laughs> they're here and that's it's a very difficult thing to thrive in and 
you know, the other teams who we haven't even spoken about yet, Gadith and Gaddafi, there's no players there who are good enough for Liverpool. There are no, no players there good enough for Liverpool. And they're mid-table almost. Yeah, yeah, basically. What do you think of um, young Fresneda, the right-back? He's been linked to a couple of Premier League clubs, including Arsenal. Um, he's also been linked with moves to Real and Barca. Do you think, is it, a lot of hype over a young player or is he someone you think could potentially be a, a top end right back? Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, he definitely looks better right back than centre back where he has played a couple of times via the leader on the other hand, and not a side who I habitually tune in to watch every single weekend. That's, that's mm. the first thing I've got to say here. So yeah, he looks like he's got a bit about him. Absolutely not in terms of being ready in a very solid defensive unit at the minute. You know, he's 18 years of age and, there's lots and lots and lots of stuff that those kinds of age of players have to learn. So, I mean, I honestly couldn't tell you that I rate him higher or lower than, for example, Calvin Ramsey. Because one, I've not seen huge amounts of Fresneda. Two, I've seen about eight minutes of Calvin Ramsey still because he's just yeah. been injured all the time. So it's really difficult to make the case of how good or not he can be. He's he's very aggressive. So he had like a lot of traits that I like in terms of his positional play. He's happy to get forward. Uh, out of possession, he'll put himself in really good areas. Uh, he's really good at, in, in terms of tracking back very, very diligently, as you know, young defensive players tend to be. They do all the energetic stuff and make sure that they cover their tracks properly and put in the big tackles and all that kind of crap, which is fine. But how sustainable is that over six years once they have made a name for themselves? Is you know, that's something that you sometimes find drops off a bit. So he looks good. Beyond that, I couldn't honestly tell you. There's just not enough of a a bank here for me have watched him to, to say he's better than one player or another. That's fair. That's very fair. Right. Let's go to Germany next. Um, Hertha Berlin and Schalke relegated Stuttgart into the relegation playoff. Uh, looking at the Hertha Berlin squad, um, the once sought after Stefan Jovetic is there. Uh, Mark Oliver Kempf, who looked three years ago, maybe four years ago, like he'd be a good centre-back, is there. But a Kevin Prince Boateng, if you fancy it. Um, it. That is a grim squad. That is a grim, grim squad. For a club that spent a shed load of money over the last six, seven years, that is a very, very poor squad to end up with. There's nobody there. No, there's not. Um, usually we have quite a good little sort through of quite a few squads and pick out, you know, at least a couple of players from each of the leagues who we would say, like, you know, these look these look really interesting. Like, mm. you, could, you could do something here. But genuinely, the, a lot of them are down because they're garbage. The yeah. recruitment has been really, really poor. The expenditure, obviously, from a lot of these clubs has been poor. Hertha Berlin are not one who is exempt from expenditure just in the same way that Everton wouldn't be exempt from expenditure if they'd have gone down. But by and large, I think poor squads being put together are a very, very large part of the reason here. Dodi Lukabakio, a couple of years back, looked as if he could be something fairly significant. He was Not expensive. Really yeah, They spent a ball of money. He was like 15 or 18 million, and that was a few years ago. Uh, former Watford legend, of course, uh, played one game in total for them. Um, yeah, they, they spent a, a ton of money on him. Um, Schalke's squad is is a, <laughs> a very random collection of players. Um, Ralph Farman is still there. 
Uh, Maya Yoshida of Long of Southampton is there. Sepp Vandenberg is there on loan. I, am, I, I assume I assume you'll get a bit of a look in preseason. Um, it is grim. I, there's not even a way. Alex Kral is there. Eder Belanta, who at one point was probably the most highly rated young centre-back in the world when he was about 17. Uh, his career has not gone to plan. Um, so from, yeah. from a Liverpool perspective, since we're not buying any of these, did you see any of Sepp coming back from injury? Because he played like the last half a dozen mm, or so, didn't he? No, I just gave up on watching Schalke because it upset me too much. Because that right. is... Like, Schalke going down twice in three years is... What is it? The equivalent of... Aston Villa going down twice in three years or Everton going down twice in three years. Like, that's a big, big club. Yeah, like a, like a Newcastle, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, that's like actually, that's a great show. Um, and they've just, like, they got themselves into a horrendous position financially, which was what led to their initial relegation. Mm. They went down... They seemed to right the ship and get things back on track. They got promoted at the first attempt, and it it seemed to me like they just didn't want to, you know, spend too much money, kind of wanted to reestablish themselves first before they went out and spent money. So they brought in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's 11 players there on loan. 11 players. You can't. You can't build a squad that way. You can't have 11 players in on loan. That's just silly. And, and it's not, not going to lead to anything positive. No, no, no. I mean, there's, there's much needs to be done here. The one I did see earlier in the season, and I, I think he looked quite good at the time, but I've not, you know, I, I don't tend to watch Rayo Valladolid. I don't tend to watch Schalke because they're down at the bottom. Same reason. So, um, Salazar, Salazar. Zalathar, Rodrigo Zalathar, the Uruguayan. The Uruguayan midfielder. He does look a player. He does look a player. Um, he'd been he's not the only one I really picked early on. I wouldn't be against taking a look at him. I, I thought he was one of the very few that actually made a bit of an impact this season. They only paid less than €2 million Euro to bring him in. So he could potentially be someone you'd get very, very cheap. I'm just looking at what they did this summer and the players they brought in. It's just mental how many players they brought in, how many that left. It's that's it, like just to give you an example of how financially screwed over they've been, they bought Robbie Matondo from Man City's Academy for 11 million. And he had three years there, 18 months of which he spent on loan. And then they sold him for 3 million to Rangers after three years. Like that's, that's the type of move that gets you in significant financial trouble. Really, really disappointing to see them go down though. Um, Stuttgart. Now, this is a club with a much vaunted head of recruitment, but when you look at the squad, it it doesn't make pretty reading. Now, I still think Dan Axel Zagadou has all the talent in the world, 
it's just that he is made out of crisps. Um, he, he like he would be if you could go into a lab and design pretty much the perfect left side centre back for three, you'd probably come out with something that looks a lot like him. Six five, rapid, powerful, dominant, good on the ball, and he's just always injured. And he's the type of player that when he comes back from an injury, it tends to take him a little bit of time to get back up to form. Um, I do very much like Joshua Wagnerman. I do very much like him. I would be in favour of Joshua Wagnerman as a signing for us this summer if we were looking to go at an affordable, high-potential young centre-back that could be developed as the kind of Ibu backup. I wouldn't be against him. He's also played right back, so I think he'd be very comfortable in that position. But at 6-3, I think he'd be a, a, a decent addition uh, as a as a backup to, um, to Ibu. Other than him, I'm not... I mean, I, I do like Borna Sosa, but he doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us. Um, Can I offer you one low-cost, I suppose, a backup or somewhere between a squad player and a backup? Of course. Wataru Ender. Ooh. That's he has not one year show. left on his deal. He's obviously as a holding midfielder. He's not the biggest, and we do tend to prefer sizable aerial. Yeah. yeah, so he's not the biggest from that perspective, but for someone who can just be the backup for maybe two years in defensive mid. I think his you know his tackling, his commitment, his uh, positional play, all of that is really, really good. Technically, passing range, even carrying the ball past people, really, really good. I think he's a very, very nice player. He's not obviously elite, but I think he's a very good player. And with one year left on his deal and then relegated, maybe there's a cheap one to be done there. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. Ha! <laughs> This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs Mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be against it. Like, again, though, that would be a situation where we're selling Fabinho, buying a starter, and bringing him in as a backup. I wouldn't be against that because he is 30. Now, he's he's a younger 30 than Fabinho's 29 in that he can still move very well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you get him on the cheap, I, I don't see much of a downside to it. 
It's Slim Pickens otherwise. How about Antonis Adonis? Just for the name. Just for the name. I've seen very little of the guy. I, I think he might have played three times ever for for Schalke, for, for Stuttgart, rather. Uh, German-born of Greek descent. So you know he's going to be very efficient and a fucking lunatic. So let's go for him. Um, no, I, I would take... I would take Endo. I would. And I would take Wagnerman, and I'd probably call it quits at that from that squad. I think the other the only other one we were linked with was it Silas a couple of years back when he was still with Paris FC. Sort of a winger, isn't he? Mm, yeah, but I don't I don't think he's kicked on at all. No. And he didn't he have that horrible knee injury as well? I think he tore his I think he tore his ACL at some point. Um but yeah, I mean, he was when he went there first. He looked, he looked like he was going to just rip the Bundesliga apart. I'm fairly certain he, he tore his ACL. Yeah, and, late twenty one. Yeah, and he just hasn't really kind of fully recovered from that. Um, that'll do us for the Bundesliga, so we can go to Syria. Uh, let's see, Sampdoria down, Cremonese down. And it's between Hellas, Verona, and Spezia to decide the final spot. Now, I had a look at this Sampdoria squad a couple of days ago for something that I was going to write, and I I decided that it just wasn't worth my while. This is another one of those squads of players that were good a few years ago. So you've got Philip Juricic, Thomas Rincon, who I've always liked, Sam Lammers, Jason Murillo, Manolo Gabbiadino, Gabbiadini rather, uh, Fab- Fabio Quagliarella, who's still kicking about. All of these guys would have been great to have, like circa yeah. 2014, 2015. Yeah, Not sounds like a, a sounds like a scouting list for guys summer in Champman, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, with Brighton or Burnley. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there's there's not there's not a whole lot here. Uh, Michael Quisance, remember him? Remember mm-hmm. Michael Quisance, who when he came through at Gladbach was going to be the next big thing, and basically Isn't went it? behind their back to do a deal with Bayern and flopped there and went to Marseille on loan, and then they didn't want him. Well, Venezia bought him, decided they didn't like him after six after well after a year basically, and loaned him to Sampdoria. He has tons of talent, but my Without knowing him or having ever heard him been interviewed, my overwhelming feeling towards him is he's probably a bit of a prick based on how clubs have just banished him multiple times. I mean, if we're if we're considering potential pricks, there's not even much potential about this one, but Jesse is there and he's on a free transfer as well. Yeah. <laughs> Part-time footballer, Jesse. Yeah, he is a twat. He is a twat. He he is another one of those most disappointing players of the last 10 to 15 years. That fella had so much talent. And he's just pissed it all up against the wall. Dreadfully disappointing. And he's just become a journeyman. Now, look, he's 
he's had a long career. He's he's twelve years in as a pro now. He's still only thirty. He'll find another club. There'll be some sucker that will give him money. But half half a season at every relegation every relegation candidate in Europe. That's what he's doing now. Basically. Um, <coughs> um him and Boyan were like the two great hopes of Spain for for a while. And neither of them really worked out. Um, moving on to Cremonese. Um, there, there's nobody there that I would even consider. <laughs> nobody. You don't um, have to bring back Vlad Kirikish? Vlad Kirikish, former Spurs legend. Um, Alex Ferrari, who, <laughs> who's That's on loan from Sampdoria to Cremonese. So he's just been relegated. And when he goes back to his parent club, they got relegated as well. So not a great season for him. Um, they didn't even loan in anybody that you'd mark down as good. Like they just, it. Johan Vasquez, the Mexican centre-back they have from Genoa. I, I watched him for Genoa and didn't think he was very good at all. Um, no, there's just nobody. that that No, just enjoy Serie B. Um, Hellas Verona it's the same it's exactly the same it's a list of players who were interesting four years ago it is it is exactly that Jaden Braff looked like he'd be a great talent and seems to have made some poor career decisions uh, I do like Josh Doigod the young Scottish defender I do like him but he's not good enough for us Aiden Rustich looked like he might be something a few years ago he isn't yeah. Simone Verde was good a few years ago. He isn't. Isn't. Juric, we mentioned. Dato uh, Lazovic was Andres good a few Duda. years ago. There's, there's a lot Miguel Veloso, probably turned the clock back 10 years for him to be good, but, you know. Yeah, that, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard pass on Hellas Verona. And I have a feeling Spezia will be similar. I do, I do very much like Ethan Ampadu. I I've always liked Ethan Ampadu from when I first saw him play for Exeter. I've always liked him. He's still only 22. I think he's a a good defensive midfielder if someone's willing to take a year to let him develop there. I think he's too small to be a centre-back. Um, I think Spezia's squad's the most interesting by distance. Victor Kovalenko I, I did really like when he was at Shakhtar went to Atalanta for whatever reason. It just he didn't get any kind of game time there. Um, he's done pretty well for Spezia. Uh, Mattia Caldara. I mean, this is a bunch of players that should have been really good. Mattia Caldara. Do you remember when he first came through mm. and was yeah. like the next great Italian centre back, and then he tore his ACL twice. Uh, Daniel yeah. Ma- Maldini. Yeah, Kevin Agadello as well. And uh, Bartlemy Zdragowski in goal. That is actually a good squad. No, it's not a good squad. There's some good players. <laughs> Salvatore Esposito's good. Um... So Spezia, to be clear, are outside the relegation zone with one game to go. Yes. And Verona are inside the relegation zone with one game to go. And it's one of those two to go down. Uh, Spezia are away to Roma and Verona are away to AC Milan. Yeah. So... <laughs> And Roma are dreadful at the moment, league-wise. They've just given up because they're focused on the Europa League. Milan have confirmed themselves as 
Champions League for next season. So there's nothing really riding on it for either team. Would would we say Milan have confirmed themselves as Champions League for next season or Atalanta have confirmed that they will not be and therefore Milan will? I would say it's probably 60-40 that Atalanta have confirmed that they won't be. Um, Obviously, you know, big helping hand from the powers that be giving Juventus the 10 points uh, the ten point deduction. Roma, Roma still need a result to make sure they finish sixth ahead of Juve. That's the only thing you'd say. Yeah, so but Jose doesn't care because yeah, but if they don't win the final, then they get nothing. They'd be in the conference playoff, the conference league. Uh, Jose will just go and win it again. He wins back, everything back in twice. That one again. Yeah. <laughs> wins everything twice. Um. Yeah. There's there's a few players at at Spezia that are interesting, but. I mean, I'd sign uh, Daniel Maldini just because he's because he's Paolo's son. I, 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 he's a he's a decent player, but he's Paolo's son. That would be the biggest uh, <laughs> the biggest thing of interest there. Um, there's nobody in any of those Portuguese clubs that are going down, so we won't waste any time there. Uh, I think that's pretty much it, Carl. I don't think we can do much more with this. Uh, let me then ask you this question. Of the, I don't know if you watched much championship football this season, but of the teams that are coming up from the championship, Burnley, Sheffield United and Luton, is there anyone at any of those clubs that you think we could potentially take a look at? So I will say I watched more of these clubs than I did of uh, Valladolid and, and Schalke. That's, that's the first thing to note. Um, <laughs> From Burnley, the only one I liked in terms of like liveliness and that is Anna Zarari. Mm. I think he was, you know, quite an explosive player for them. Obviously, did fairly well in front of goal and that as well. So, honestly, would I take him? No, I don't think he's that good technically. I think the movement and positional play from him does suggest he's at least like two levels down. To be perfectly honest, but we'll see how he how he fares in the Premier League against what will be better defenders and what will need to be better movement and all the rest of it. Um, Sheffield United I I don't generally speaking like the way they play or the way they set up so probably not again there and Luton is a hard no yeah Luton would be a hard no for me I, I think they might they might need like nine new starters when they come up um, I do like a couple of the Sheffield United players I, I really like uh, Ahmed Hozic the centre-back I think he's very good. I do like I do really like Illiman and Joy. I think he's probably the best player that was in the championship this past season. So I'd probably I'd probably lean towards him. Um where would you put him in Liverpool squad though? Like yes, good player, but really for us? Yeah, I don't know. I just I just like him. I just I, <laughs> I like him. I mean look, we You can we have kept, him we, if I can still have a dab. We kept James fucking Milner around just because Jurgen like giving him hugs. So I mean <laughs> I don't see why we'd have a player that's that I like and, and not keep him. Um there's nobody else there that I <clears throat> I would be a fan of. I do like the two two young kids that were in on loan from City. Uh Doyle yeah, and, Doyle's a really good player. Yeah, and I think McAtee's a good player as well. Um, and the funny thing is that the player I like most at Burnley is also a kid that was in on loan from City in Taylor Harwood Bellis. I think he's really good. And had Coventry come up, there was two that I really liked. One is 
Yokarez, uh, whose name I've only just found out how you pronounce it properly, the striker. And uh, I really like the centre-back, Callum Doyle, um, who's also in on loan from City. So, you know, uh, City's academy is just bursting at the seams. It would, it would Producing, it would. yeah. Um, one you know, one little question before before we depart from this yeah. area of the... What's happening with Rian Brewster now? One goal this season in the Championship and his team are now coming back up. They've got to loan him out somewhere because they need to buy a striker because of the strikers they have at the club. Ollie McBurney has proven twice that he's not quite Premier League standard. Now, maybe, maybe he has a Mitrovic type of resurgence, but 13 championship goals doesn't suggest to me that he will. Billy Sharp, I think, is older than me. He's not. He's 37. So he's your age. Um, Definitely not my age, mate. Daniel Jebison is a promising young forward, but I, I don't know that you'd be relying on him to get you a whole bunch of goals uh, in the Premier League. So I think they've got to go and buy a striker. And I think Brewster's probably fourth of what they already have in terms of how they the view their like, pecking order. Yeah, missed six months as well with a hamstring injury. So he's not like coming back from a position of strength into preseason or anything like no. that either. I would look to loan him. Like I've said this before, if I was Southampton and I could keep most of the young players that I have there, and by the way, I also bring back in Nathan Teller, who's just scored 17 goals in a championship season, so could potentially be um, a, a big addition for me in the championship. If I was Southampton, I'd probably look at maybe getting... I need, I need, a, I need a goal scorer. I'd look at someone I can rely on and I'd also maybe look at getting Brewster in on loan and hoping that it's a gamble, but it might be a gamble that pays off. Like, the lad has loads of talent. Um, th- that half season at Swansea, he did show that he could score goals, but he got 11 goals in 22 games then. That half season earned him this move to Sheffield United. He's played 63 games and scored five goals. Five goals. Um, here's a question for you, Henri and Brewster, Carl. When we sold him for a deal reported to be around £23.5 million, including add-ons, which have probably now been paid because they've been promoted, uh, we put in a £40 million buyback that expires on the 30th of June this year. Do you think we'll take it up? Well, we have to move quickly, and you know that only gives twenty nine days for Schmadka to get his feet under the table, find out who the hell Rian Brewster is, and get the deal done. Yeah, so probably not, that. just just on the time basis alone. <laughs> Fucking hell! Uh, another former red there, Jack Robinson. I'm really glad to see that Jack Robinson has overcome some of the personal life stuff that that held him back for a number of years, and uh, has has had himself a, a you know a solid career, a solid career. Um, I like Jaden Bogle, but he never kicked on. Sander Burge went there and just became Sheffield United. Uh, Ishmael Koulibaly, I, I actually really like, but he just hasn't done anything since he's been there. I quite liked him when he was at, at Beershot. Um, no, there's nobody at any of these clubs. No. 
No. Right. Uh, we can leave it there for today. Is there anything you want to plug before we go? Um, no, just lots of end of season stuff. If people wish to look back on the, the year that was from Liverpool and beyond, I did a big thing on a, actually a bunch of relegated players who could be transfer targets for other people, not just Liverpool. Uh, so if you want a bit more to see who could be leaving those who have gone down, then there's that. Uh reviewing the Europa League Conference League finals. I think I've got some West Ham and other bits and pieces to come out over the next couple of days. And uh yeah, anything you want discussed over the summer, we are all ears as we'll have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of things to cover. Yes. Yes, very much so. So any ideas that you have, put them in the Discord chat. We will do in the next few weeks, we will do uh, a live one where we take live questions and answer them off the cuff, which I think was Mark Roberts' suggestion, I want to say. Um, So we will do that. But any other ideas that people have, um, feel free to put them in the in the chat. And I think at some point we should do a couple of rebuilds because there's definitely a couple of clubs around Europe in need of our assistance, Carl. Um, I look at Juventus and they just, they scream out for us to go there and fix the mess that they've made of themselves. Uh, Guy is mentioning Liverpool. There is the definite potential that we could do a fixing Liverpool uh, we could fix Spurs. I think they they, they could definitely do with some help. Uh, and Chelsea. And Chelsea's Chelsea. is just a, who should we sell for an hour? Yes, basically, we do, could do an hour on players to sell. Um, my real concern for Spurs, though, is Brendan Rodgers' name is creeping up and up and up in terms of the odds for him getting the job. I can't think of a worse appointment for them other than, you know, your big Sams, your Roy Hodgson's. Um but it's amazing how Teflon Brendan has orchestrated the relegation of a Leicester squad that should never finish below ninth in this league. And yet his reputation appears to be unblemished. It marvellous thing. It's incredible what kissing the arses of every journalist in the country can do. Your arse must be nice and clean from Brendan giving it some good kissing. Because all the rest of them are not one, not one national journalist has come out and, sl- and slammed him for the job he did this year. A shame, a shame on you all. What do you think of that? Are you waiting for me to apologise on everybody's behalf here, or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, look, he, Brendan is Brendan. He plays the game very well, and uh, he's also one who holds grudges. So. Perhaps some people just don't want, like some of the local journalists at, at Leicester, for fear that they ever cross paths with them again, just don't want to have the hassle. Um, we can leave it there. Right, we will be back later this week, I assume, with something else. We'll figure out what it's going to be, um, well, offline. Well, yeah. yeah. Right, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.